0: Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontes, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. It's vital to remember that God has a plan for each and every one of us. That God has a plan to prosper you, not to harm you. That God has a plan to give you strength to overcome. That God has a plan to hold you secure with his ever, never-ending love. The church is a place where we can discover his plan. The church is a place where, where hope happens here. Well, Father, we just pray for this day. Lord, give us ears to hear what God wants us to hear. Give us eyes to see that God's moving in our lives, even when we can't necessarily see it. Give us a nose to smell the rose of Sharon, to know the presence of God is in this place and in my life. Lord, give us tongues that would speak and edify and lift up one another in the name of Jesus. Hands that would touch the way Jesus would touch. Father, we pray your will, your way in our lives. In Jesus' holy name, will you say with me? Amen. Amen. You know, there's a story told about a young professor slash preacher. Um, He was out of, uh, from yesteryear, a Harvard Divinity School of Theology. And this prof told a story about himself when he was preaching in Louisiana in a country church. And all they had was a single light bulb because electricity was just barely hitting that part of, of, of the country. And so they had one little light bulb in the center of the sanctuary, for for services that night so it was pretty dim and he's preaching he's about halfway into his sermon this this uh, prof slash preacher and in the middle of his sermon the light goes out it is pitch black in the sanctuary and being young at preaching he doesn't really know what to do in the circumstance he does he's just kind of tripping he doesn't know what to say and then one of the elders way in the back he yells out Preacher, keep on preaching. We can still see Jesus even if it's dark. Sometimes it's in the dark places of life where it can be easier to see the hand of God and sense His presence than in any other time. Maybe you've been in a dark and a lonely place and you just need Jesus to show you the way out. Why don't you go with me to John chapter 8, verse 12. And in here, Jesus refers to himself as the light of the world. And says in verse 12, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. It's Jesus who illuminates our way out of the dark places, in those lonely places, And restores our lives. So when it comes to having hope in God. There's three great choices we can make. And if you want to fill in the blanks that's great. It's on your notes there inside your bulletin. And here's number one. Number one, choose to have hope in God's plan for your life. We were created by God. He made you with meaning with significance and with a purpose you're not an accident god equipped you with unique gifts to be used and to be shared you know some of the biggest questions that we ask throughout our the human history of life from the beginning time you'll hear the a few of them here's just a couple of them number one who am i another one why am i here you know, I shared a few weeks ago, I mean, one of the most exciting things in my life took place a few, about, I don't know, maybe a month ago by now. Um, it was incredible. Nikki, in, here in, in church, a few years ago, was with my wife and they were in conversation and, and my wife found out, Chris, found out that, that Nikki does um, ancestral background. She does a lot of research in that area. And she says, well, you know, pastor's adopted, and he doesn't know who his biological dad is. He knows his bio mom, but not his bio dad. And she goes, well, let's find out. Maybe pastor would say, you know, look. And so I said, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm old enough. We're not going to freak, hopefully, their, their family out as bad and, and all that. Let's, let's do it. Well, come to find out, um, she found out, because we didn't even know the spelling of his name. All we had was a name, John Bouchard. And uh, it's it's spelled J E A N, not John as in Jonathan. So, before you know it, we praise God for Facebook, and next thing we know, my wife is able to find my half sister, and her name is Tiffany. And we started reaching out, and apparently, when I finally got on the phone with Tiffany, she she says, "I instantly knew you were my brother." I said, how? She says, I saw your picture on Facebook. And she goes, I knew those eyes. I knew those eyebrows. I knew everything. She goes, there's no way that guy's not my brother. I knew instantly. We hadn't even said we're looking for John. We just said, do you know a man named John Bouchard? And she goes, oh, no, no. She is an only child, always wanted a sibling. Her mom had a hysterectomy in her early 20s and couldn't have any more children. Well, here's the interesting thing, how God's plan is so divine, always so moving. When I became a senior pastor, gosh, we had been in full-time ministry around 16 years at that point. And uh, we moved up to a place called Grass Valley. We had an opportunity for like three different places, but we picked Grass Valley, California, up there by Auburn, on Highway 49. Come to find out, John Bouchard lived in Grass Valley. I had no idea. As a matter of fact, he was a builder and an architect. So he designed and built this pizzeria place. I bought pizza from there. Had no idea. It's not until we, we pastored there, we moved to Iowa, was there for 10 years, we've been back here. And all of a sudden, all these years later, some 15 years later or so, I find out my dad built the joint that I eat pepperoni pizza. He probably drove up and down past the church because my church was on Highway 49. I'm telling you, God has a plan. And he's trying to tell me through all these years, Marv, I didn't forget. I was causing there to be connections for a time and a season when it would be most meaningful to you. To show you that throughout the whole journey, I was there. I was there. There are places in your life that make no sense to you right now. But at some point when the time's right, God's going to open up that chapter. And all the previous chapters of your life, they're going to make sense. That God was there. He was protecting you. He was guiding you. And He's going to fulfill His promises to you. You know, Rick Warren has a a popular book. It's like second in production compared to the Bible. It's called Purpose Driven Life. And it answers one of these big questions, you know, about life. You know, who am I? Why am I here? And it's on chapter one, it's on the very first page, it's the very first sentence of the book, and it says, It's not about you. Isn't that amazing? See, there's more to life than Marvin, than you. And when I begin to unravel that my purpose of life includes him. Him being the center of my life, as we just sang. And that begins this incredible journey There's a famous verse in Scripture. It's found in the book of Jeremiah. And the backdrop to this passage is that the people of Israel have been captured by Babylon. It's what we refer to as the exile or the captivity of Babylon. And so many of the people of the Jewish faith, man, they're just losing hope if they haven't lost hope. Because they're now, they're exiled to a place, to a foreign land, foreign language, foreign history, foreign food, foreign smells, foreign everything. And they're giving up that God cares. That God understands. Anybody gone through that? Maybe in the last couple of years or so. God, where are you? I've lost a family member, I lost a business, I lost a job. I seem to have lost all sorts of stuff and we're grieving. And we're losing hope. We wonder, does God care? And so here, this verse in Jeremiah, it's God speaking to His people, and the prophet is trying to encourage them. So verse 11, chapter 29. God places hope in the hearts of His people, and He tells them that Though they were now living in a land that was not their own, and though, and though Jerusalem had been destroyed, God was not done with them yet. <laughs> he still had a plan to prosper them, not to harm them. God was working for a better future for Israel, and He had not forgotten about them. You know that God is not a respecter of persons. If God says that about Jerusalem... That God is also saying that about you, about me, about all the people you love and all the people you care about. He wants you to have hope. He wants to put hope back in your heart. Here's another one number two. Choose to have hope in God's love. You know, as true as your own name is, as true as your own name is, and we all know our own name. Yet it's not as true as how much God loves you. Do you know God loved you before you became you? Before you were within your mother's womb, God knew you and loved you. That means he loves you more than even you. Before you even had a name, he loved you. He says, I know how many hairs on your head. And for some of you, you make it a whole lot easier than others. (laughs) Love. Love is the most powerful force in the universe. And He loves you. The Apostle Paul appeals to the powerful love of God as he writes to this early church, to, to these believers in Rome. And God's people that were there, man, they're just surrounded by sinful and this foreign culture, pagan culture. And Rome has a difficult, was a, just a real difficult place to be if you want to be a follower of Jesus. There was persecution. There was suffering. And Paul wanted to instill hope into the believers that were there in Rome. So let's look here at Romans chapter 8. We'll start at verse 38 and verse 39. And it says, And I am convinced that nothing... Wow. I mean, think about how he's saying this. I am convinced. Okay? I'm convinced. And then he says that nothing... In other words, I've really thought through this. I'm not just making up this phrase. He says, I am convinced that nothing can ever, ever. I mean, he's becoming as complete totalitarian in this response. That nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Wow. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even in the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul's encouraging them. These are people who are struggling, they're suffering. And he's telling them that you're the head, you're not the tail. You're not defeated. That no matter how bad things may seem or are, how hopeless the situation may be, you're overcomers. You're overcomers because of the blood of the cross. But how can Paul claim this? They're suffering. It's because God... God's love is actually for them. So now we're going to go a few verses in front of this. We're going to be in the same chapter, Romans 8. We'll start at verse 31. And it says this. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God, Everybody say it with me. Ready? Begin. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Wow. See, Paul's announcing, Paul is decreeing that God's love is so prevailing, that it is so powerful that nothing can overcome God's love. In the Greek word used for this particular passage, that the Greek word used in Romans here is the word agape, which means unconditional love. You know what that means? That means you can't do anything to earn that love and you can't do anything to unearn that love it's not earned it's given by the father oh it was expensive it was expensive on the cross you see that why for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son what made him do that for god so loved God loves us. The enemy wants to think that God's mad at us. He, he's really, really upset. You know, he's got that big Louisville slugger. He's got a great swing, and he's just waiting to connect, and you're upside. Bam! No, that's not God. You know what God's doing? Come here, child. Right here. Your father's here. No, 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 no. We'll talk later. Just come here. It's like the prodigal son who had squandered everything. I mean, he went to the Las Vegas of Jerusalem and there he just blew everything on wild living. And think about it. All the wild living that's possible, he did it. And he wasted it all. And when he came home, his dad was looking for him. And when his dad saw him, he didn't care how embarrassing. He lifted up his, ward, his, his robe and he ran. Men were not to run in that culture. He didn't care. My boy was coming home. And when he ran, he got to him and he hugged him. He didn't say, look what you did to me. You embarrassed me, child. You shamed the family. No, no, no. He just hugged him. And he kissed him. And he told the servants, go get me my tuxedo, put it on him. Put the best clothes on him. Put the ring of authority back on his finger. And give him shoes because only slaves walked around without shoes. He's part of the family. Welcome home. That's God's love. Our hope is found not only in God's plan for us, but also in God's love for us. And there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. And the truth should, this truth should really empower us with hope. No matter what we face, no matter what the challenge is, that God's for us, He's not against us. So here's the third one. Choose to have hope in God's strength. You know, living the Christian life is no easy task. Living out the Christian life is counter to the culture of the world that we live in. The Christian way of living life says, pray for your enemy. But that's what the Christian life says. Pray for your enemy. Oh, Jesus, can we just pass on that one? Then it says to give generously, to serve faithfully. It says to avoid sin. It says to forgive those who have offended you, who have betrayed you, who have taken from you. Oh, now come on, Lord. You know the story. You want me to forgive? I ain't going there. You see, I can't do the Christian living way within my own strength. I don't have it. Neither do you. Neither does the person to the side of you. We can't do Christian living on our own. That's why God sent the paraclete. That's the Greek for God sent the Holy Spirit who will give us the strength to do what we can't do on our own. Because in my flesh, I know how I want to handle them peoples, even if they have the same last name. I can't do Christianity on my own. I can only do it with the help of the Holy Spirit. And when we do that, when we live that Christian life, we find the favor of God. We find God's blessings. We find fulfillment. We, we find that all these questions we have about life, they start to make more sense because we have direction, we have significance, we have purpose. And all of a sudden, these things that were such a big deal, they don't become a big deal anymore. We become free from the bitterness and the strife and the chaos and all the ugliness that this world has to offer. Because I want to hold on to my anger. My hatred. My unforgiveness. Paul. He speaks about this hope that we've been talking about today. To to a church in a place called Philippi. It's where we get the book called Philippians. And again the 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 backstory the surrounding backstory to the context of this passage it tells us that again it's just like there was in Rome but here they are there's suffering there's struggles there's persecution and all the imprisonment there's all sorts of issues going on and, and and he is writing this and as he's writing this Paul is actually in prison with chains on and and I don't know about you but if I'm busted and in prison with chains for doing the right thing when I didn't do anything wrong, I think I might fight being discouraged. How about you? And yet, Paul is, he's the exact opposite in the situation. He's full of hope. He, he is just like, this is, hey, we can do something with this. It's like, wow. So he's not discouraged. He's actually overflowing with hope. So let's read Philippians 4.13. You probably know it. Let's all read it out loud together. Ready? Begin. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See, when we become followers of Jesus, the Spirit of God actually takes up residence inside of us and gives us his grace and gives us the actual strength we need to live his will to live his way to do things in his timing so as an example maybe we feel like we can't forgive a certain person who's done us wrong and they hurt us you know, it's one thing to do something wrong. I, I, could, I could take some tools away from Bob. And I'd take these really nice tools that Bob has. And I got caught. I stole them. Bob says, hey, you stole my stuff. Well, here's some money to replace what I stole. Or here are the tools that I took. And here's some money. I can make restitution for the stuff I stole. But if I was to take from Hunter something that came from his soul, I damaged his soul, not his stuff, but his soul. There's no amount of money that's going to make restitution for taking from his soul. Do you catch that? And one of the hard things is when you've been offended, when you've been betrayed, when you've been lied about or false accusations, and you've been violated, it wasn't your stuff, it was your soul. And then God has the audacity to say, Forgive, don't look for restitution. I don't know about you, but that's not easy. I'll tell you what happens. When we forgive, when we let go, then God pours out and does a work at the level of your soul that cannot be done by human hands. And then he uses that crazy story and it strengthens the body of Christ. And all of a sudden, God blesses you. Sometimes tenfold. There's a guy by the name of John Bevere who wrote a great book called The Bait of Satan. I'll be honest with you. I didn't like it at first. I was in my office. And I started reading it because I was dealing with some stuff that had hurt my soul. And I got into a couple pages. First time I ever done this. I grabbed that book. And I threw it up against the wall. I was mad. I am not going to forgive these people. I mean, I chucked it. I mean, I played baseball. I'm a head coach of a baseball team, Varsity. And I mean, I was mad. I threw that thing hard. It fell behind these chairs. It stayed there for weeks. I wasn't even, I was so mad at God. I hated the idea that God wanted me to forgive these people. I'm sure I'm the only one in this room who has ever been there. I'm okay with that. That's fine. I understand. But let me just share my story anyways. John Bavier tells a story that the way these natives would catch monkeys is they would attach a chain or a rope to a tree and then to a coconut and... On the other side of the coconut they just drill a little hole big enough for a small monkey's hand to slide through the hole, grab the food or the candy, the oranges, whatever it might be. And as they do, they make a fist. Now that they have made a fist, that fist will not come back out the small size of the hole that was originally drilled. They are now stuck. Are they really stuck? No. What a stupid trap. But it works for a stupid monkey. So he he's going back and forth, screaming, and is going as far as that chain will let him go. Just jumping around. But he won't let go. Boy, it's mine. Just like me. I wasn't going to let go. Matter of fact, I'd throw it up like this. And God says, forgive. Let it go. And if I do let it go, I can slide right out of the trap. And as I slide out of the trap, whom the Son sits free, is now free indeed. But I didn't want to. And for many years, my hand stuck in the coconut And you know, the enemy in my soul could just come up and hit me and beat on me anytime he wanted to. But I'm sure this story is only good for me. Nobody else in this room. See, it takes the strength of the Holy Spirit of Christ in us to trust him, to believe in him, to have the hope that if I let go, God will take care of the rest. And He'll right every wrong. And He'll bless me. Because I let go. Do they deserve it? Heck no. But praise God, you don't have any sin in your life either. You see what I'm saying? I was quick to find all the wrong in those other people. But I just couldn't find myself to see the mirror. To find out the wrong that was in my life. But once I let go... All of a sudden, Jesus would illuminate my life and show me where I needed to fix things in my own life. And now I could work on those things where before I couldn't because I had this thing of my life being stuck in the trap. In Latin, it's called the Scandalon. So my prayer is that we would have hope in Jesus. Enough to let go. Enough to trust Him. See, hope happens when we come to realize that we don't have the strength of ourselves to live the way of Jesus. We can only do it with Jesus, in Jesus. And hope happens when we submit our lives to the leadership of Jesus and allow Him to empower us for His glory. Come, Holy Spirit. My prayer for each of us today is that we would be bursting with hope as we become more aware of God's plan, of God's love, of God's strength in our life because of Christ. Would you close your eyes, maybe bow your heads, please? Jesus, if we're honest, we all can relate to this. At some point in time, maybe we've all could say we've lost hope and we've struggled. So Lord, I pray would you move on our hearts to say, I need to stop living life with a closed fist and stop crying out, I have my rights. But trust you, have hope in you to let go so that you can set me free and bless us. Bless us all. And trust that you'll handle. You'll handle all of the craziness that the enemy of our soul is trying to do. Lord, we need you. Maybe you're here today and you you would just say, I I just need to get right with the Lord again. Maybe you're here and just saying, I I want Jesus to, to help me to realize he has a plan for my life, that he loves me and that, I can do all things through Christ because he strengthens me. I just need Jesus again. I mean, if that's you, would you look up at me, raise your hand? I just want to pray for you. Amen. Amen. Yes. Yes. Praise God. Praise God. Worship you, Lord. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Say, dear Jesus. Say it with me, everybody. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. I know you have a plan for me. I know that you love me. I know I can only do this with your strength. Jesus, help me to let go, to not have a fist. Jesus, write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Be the leader of my life. Be the Savior of my life. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Make me a Christian. Now, Jesus, I pray for each and every person who prayed that prayer. Help them to know that you're right there saying, Welcome home. I've been waiting. I got the best clothes for you, I got shoes for you, I got a ring of authority for you. Welcome home. I've missed you, child. Now let's go forward for the cause of Christ and watch what great and amazing things I can do in you and through you. Lord, bless your people. Help us, Lord, to know hope happens here. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.